Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I think there's something about writing something short. It's such a ball ache to make a short film. There's no money in it. Even if someone's given you, you know, a few grand to make something, there's, you're, ne- you're not taking any of that home. You know, no. that's not going in your pocket. That's going on a DOP. That's 100%. Whatever. It's often career-wise, there's nothing in it for you. So you just are making something that you really care about. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to actor, writer and director, Rachel Stubbings. Hello, I'm Steve Whiteley and welcome to Balancing Acts, a series of conversations with an array of creatives. We talk about their journey, the struggles they faced whilst progressing their career, strategies they use to unlock their creativity, how they balance their career with their personal lives, what impact this has had on their mental health and lots more. Rachel is a BAFTA-nominated writer whose TV credits include The Athena, 8 Out of 10 Cats, Mock the Week, The Last Leg, Trolleyed, Invasion of the Book Readers, and as an actor, Rachel has starred alongside Cole Pilkington in The Sick of It, Julia Davis in Sally Forever, and the very funny Whenever You're Ready, written and directed by Craig Ainsley. Rachel has directed short films. She's also part of the collective Barbara, signed to Merman with Ben Mullaby. Rachel is currently developing her short Good Grief as uh, what will be her, her first directorial debut feature film. In addition to all this, she runs and curates Shooting the Breeze, a uh, popular short film night which has attracted filmmakers including Jim Cummings, Alice Lowe and uh, Sean Wing who we discuss in this episode. And if that wasn't enough, Rachel has recently become the head of short courses for comedy writing and producing at the NFTS. So I think it would be fair to say she has a lot going on. Oh and I should say just as we started, a man across the road decided to mow his lawn. Uh, I don't even think he has a lawn. I think he it was just gravel. I don't even know if you can you can mow gravel, but apparently you can because the noise was uh, overwhelming. So you can hear the first few minutes while I'm talking. I try and mute it, but I think there's a couple of points where I forget to mute it. But bear with, please, because it's a great conversation. So yeah, if you are one of those hybrid people who is uh, you know writer, director, actor types, and it's just. Um, an all-rounder creatively or or even not if you're a, a filmmaker aspiring filmmaker and writer so forth all of it because rachel as as you've heard from the intro has has done a lot and continues to do so 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 yeah it's great to hear her creative journey so over to rachel perfect perfect 
I'm going to start off with a very formulaic question. Oh, how, okay. how how has uh, this this past year and all the shenanigans that have gone with it um, treated you uh, both professionally and personally? It's been an absolute roller coaster. Um, Work-wise, I, I got a couple of commissions just before lockdown or, or at the very beginning. In fact, Craig and I, I'm mentioning Craig for the listeners because that's the link that Steve and I, we both, we both love the same man, um, Craig Ainsley. He, he and I had a commission at the very beginning or just before, I can't remember quite. And then um, a project that I was developing with Baby Cow that I thought, oh God, you know, when we went into lockdown, I was like, oh, this isn't going to they're not going to want this because it was about my relationship with my nana. And I was like, you know, it's like, that was really COVID-y. Um, and they actually were like the opposite. They're like, no, we'd like to, um, yeah. So they commissioned that as well, which I'm writing with Alistair Green. So I was quite busy um, writing and I had other bits and bobs. Like I sometimes write for commercials and stuff. So I was writing a few of them. And then my nana actually did die in real life and my uncle died. And, um, that was very sad. That was like my first, that was the lockdown. So that was like something akin to hell. My nana and I were very close indeed. And sort of knowing that she wasn't in company when it, you know, she was in her home at that point. That was awful. God, that was awful. Just worrying all the time about her and just worrying about the fact that she might not understand why we're not visiting. And, um, and then, um, Sort of after she died, it, 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 there was something like relief. Um, I know that sounds cruel, but she wouldn't have wanted to be alive anymore. And then I was writing this, about her in this script with my friend Al. Um, so it all felt quite nice in a way. And so my lockdown settled down a little bit then. And then I also taught myself stop motion animation. And I... I'm a really keen sewer and I got, I made like thousands of face masks and sent them off to people. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's, it, lockdown itself sort of suits my personality if I'm totally honest. Like I really enjoy being alone. I like doing stuff, you know, I like, it, it, I always feel really terrible and guilty for not seeing my friends enough. Do you live on your own? Well, I'm actually staying at my mum's at the moment. I, I okay. moved in just before lockdown because I'm okay. trying to save my own place for my own place, which I'm hopefully going to buy um, in March. Um, so I've been here, which is brilliant. It's yeah, I can't tell you. Like if someone had told me you're going to be in your late thirties living at your mum's, I probably would have killed myself. <laughs> but actually, it worked out brilliantly because she wasn't alone during all this. You know. And I would have really worried about her, I think. And also I have dogs and she's really shared the responsibility of them, which has been quite nice. But yeah, it's just been um, real mishmash, really. Yeah, I think that, that, that sums it up. Like, I think everyone's had that experience. But it sounds like you, on the creative side, you've had a very productive time. Yeah. I really like the fact that you've learned stop motion as well, just learning a new skill. Had you always yeah, wanted to do that? Oh, it's really easy, you know. Um, well, it's it's hard in the um, it takes forever. Um, but um, my friend, I've got a friend over in LA called Sean Wing. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff. He's a filmmaker. I met through my film night. Okay. Um, and he he's really good at animation now. And it's but I've watched that sort of 
grow, you know. And um, he made some stop motion stuff. So I just messaged him saying, how do you do that? And he's like, you get an app. <laughs> That's like, all right. <laughs> so um, I made little models of my mate, Jess Foster Q, and my friend, Rosie Jones. And um, I sort of put us in a world, you know, um, you know, that was my imagination. And they reluctantly join in. And I get them to just record their dialogue on a voice memo <laughs> and, and just messaging me on WhatsApp. You're doing like little sketches with it? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a minute long because that's, okay. um, you know, that's, I, I just put them on Instagram or Twitter or something like that. And, um, and that's as sort of big as they can get on there. Yeah. Um, the premise is that um, I've created them for my pleasure and they have to do whatever I say. But, they sort of have grown minds of their own now. Okay. And I've literally just, um, I've just made a little Jen Brister as well. And I'm making a Sarah Barron. And then that's our WhatsApp group. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's been really fun. And that, and that also because I, my, my resolution at the beginning of last year was make direct more. So um, actually doing the stop motions now, I am trying to like learn the trade, you know, you know, I've now, I used to just do them as one takes and now I'm like, right, I'm going to cut to a mid now and do a close up and do a contra zoom. <laughs> yeah. What have you found challenging about trying to transition into becoming a director? Because you've done, I mean, we'll touch upon this because you've done so many different things. You do lots of different things. Yeah. I'm a jack of all trades, master and none, mate. <laughs> yeah, but it, like, it seems like it's working for you. Um, it has, it does feel like the last couple of years, it's, uh, it's, um, it's fallen into place a bit. It just takes, it's a longer grind, isn't it? When you're doing loads of different things, like I feel, yeah. I'm always, as an MAE, but I'm always like, I was just like, you know, if I just focused on writing, if I just focused on directing, I would have been, it'd be so much yeah. further. Oh my God, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I think about that all the time. I actually was listening, my, my sister-in-law, who um, I'm very close to, and she's a singer-songwriter, and she's had a, a similar career to mine in that, She's talented, but she hasn't quite made it in this commercially. And um, that used to be something that would get me a little bit down, but right at the beginning of my career. But then I made peace with it because I was like, well, I've never been, I'm never going to be commercially successful because my stuff's too weird. Um, but she sent me a podcast and it was um, Paddy Considine, who's like a hero of mine. And uh, she, he was on Edith Bowman's podcast. And I, I cried when I listened to it because it, out of relief because he, he, he just said something that really, um, it just really uh, spoke to me. He said he's, he sort of fought the idea that he's an artist for so long, but actually that is what he is and he's going to stop feeling guilty that sometimes he wants to write, sometimes he wants to direct. And hearing someone that I really respect say that, I like sobbed. I was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. I just really love all the things and I like to do all of them. And that's okay. Yeah, there's like, there's a sense of freedom that comes with actually just getting off your own back, you know, just getting out your own way and being like, oh, this is it's all right. I just, this is what I am type. Thing. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's the absolute joy of getting older. You're like, right, well, yeah. this is the personality I've got. I'm yeah. fine now. <laughs> I'm so I'm a bit more at peace with it. I'm a bit more yeah. at peace. I still find it hard. I still oh, same. yeah. 
but it is nice when you do get a slice of that from someone you're like yes okay it's yeah. all right but then I also feel like what you're saying about not being commercial doing your own thing and being on your own lane will inevitably you, you you're gonna be at that point where you are commercial because you're yeah. doing your own thing and people respond to that and yeah I'm not sure commercial is even the right word no. I, I know what you mean though I know what you mean yeah I just um yeah, I remember like really early on in my career, not quite being able to, and by, by career, I mean like, you know, I was doing stand-up and acting more and, and writing a bit, but... How long were you doing, when did you get into stand-up and did you, was it stand-up that you started before acting or was it acting first? And... Oh, acting first. Acting yeah, yeah. first, okay. Yeah, I was acting at school. Okay. I had an amazing, amazing drama teacher who... Um, just sort of saw something in me. I, I wasn't very academic and um, I didn't have any confidence with, you know, sciences and maths and English even. And um, my drama teacher just from sort of day one saw something in me and um, really, I, I mean, it's mean to say it, but I was like definitely his favourite. <laughs> and um he really encouraged me and, and, and it was like him and the art department and the music department. I can't begin to, I my mum says this to me all the time. She's like, I don't know what would have come of you if it wasn't for those teachers, because I fell so behind in all the other subjects and I just didn't care. But, um, you know, the only days I didn't bunk off were drama days <laughs> and music days. So, um, is that, in some shape or form, part of your motivation for you then becoming uh, a lecturer? Yeah, I don't know, really. If someone had told me, that there's been a couple of things I've done in my career that I would love to shove up my English teacher's asshole because <laughs> she was a massive wanker to me. Really, like, horrible. Chucks me out in the end. But, um, and my drama teacher actually performed, you know, when we were doing Shakespeare in English, my drama teacher performed King Lear to me from beginning to end, did all the parts, and I got it. <laughs> he was a legend. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I actually still passed English, and that was... But anyway, I, sorry, I'm rambling. Um, I A few years back, I started to write the, um, the educational um, films for... GCSE English students to learn the texts. So I had to read all the, you know, curriculum texts from, you know, the Welsh ones, the, you know, the Scottish ones, English ones, and, um, and then write comedy films to support them. And right. I did that a couple of years and it was gruelling work, but it was so, I was so proud of it because, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm being asked to do this. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I had such a horrendous sort of time of it at school. And then definitely, like, um, you know, now lecturing in writing is um, a lovely feeling. Have you thought about tracking down the English teacher? <laughs> I'm just hoping it will drip feedback to us. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I know you're watching. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, yeah, and the, the stuff of the NFTS, like, if someone had told me I would be mentoring students or, you know, teaching students, I, I really wouldn't have believed it because I... It was not anything I was interested in or felt I would ever be useful for. Mm. But actually, I love it so much. And, um, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, starting at the end of this month as the 
as the course leader so i'm yeah. like big daddy congrats so do, what is it that you that you enjoy about it do you like the idea of just of being able to like give back you know share your pearls of wisdom yeah it, it, it really is I, I know that sounds sort of cheesy but um it really is and i really enjoy talking about films and comedy and writing i just i just really love it yeah i love writing and it's really fun to talk about it with people that also you're trying to get into it and also i, I would have really loved I, you know i've had the opportunity to slightly rewrite the course at the nfts and it's it's such a nice thing because i think if i'd have had that course if i'd have done a course like that i would have saved myself a lot of bother and a lot of heartache and so it's been quite rewarding thinking right what would have been really useful for me yeah you know and and things like writers rooms they're really terrifying <laughs> like so true it, yeah like that first thing when when it's like i haven't said anything yet and you know we're 15 minutes in i've got to pump out an idea and knowing now like it doesn't matter for your ideas shit no in fact shit ideas are great cuz it gets you laughing gets you talking but you know just being able to like impart tiny little nuggets like that on the students be like yeah. just just open your gob. You don't have to um, laugh at everyone's comments or suggestions. Yeah, and, you know, your little bad idea could, you know, like give someone else another idea and, it, you know, and it um, spirals, you know. Yeah, but that's such a great idea, doing a sort of like a mock writer's room. Yeah. I imagine I've, that I've being super helpful. He's going to come in and do a mock, mock writer's room. And he's, he, he gave me some of my first writing jobs back in the day, so it's nice to... Um, He'll be sort of firm but fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Full circle. That's great. So, yeah. so when did you decide to get into performing live comedy? So yeah, I done. I done. Yeah, I went to uni. I went to a little arts college called Dartington College of Arts and um, did lots of performance there. But uh, it was very weird stuff, and that is what I thought I wanted to do. But you know, it wasn't. <laughs> when I was doing it, I was like, yeah. This is garbage. <laughs> I, I nearly left and then I got a first for distributing coloured rocks around a garden for for two hours. And I was like, oh, I can probably blag this. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then I moved to Brighton. I worked in a theatre for a bit and I thought maybe this is what I want to do. And it wasn't. And I, and I still missed acting. So then I went, I moved to London and I did a one-year course. and. Um, I hated it so hard. Uh, being, the dr it, drama. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know if I've ever felt as lonely or as sad as I did in that year. It wasn't for me. Not my type of people. Just didn't feel like I had anything in common. I, I made two brilliant friends who are still my friends to this day. One of them, Max, one of them gave up abruptly after the course. But um, yeah, and I'm still paying it off. It's like really depressing actually but anyway I performed I did a piss take of like a a, a vocal warm-up it was like a little it was like the first sketch I'd ever written and it was taking the piss out of the drama school I'd just been to and anyway I I, I got on a bill um a like comedy bill oh god it was at um Madame Jojo's oh and, wow yeah and it was so fun and I met loads of people and um I was like, oh, I, this is really great. I've written it myself. So I'm, you know, creating roles that 
you know, at that point it was a role. So I'd created a role that was really suited to me. And then it's just went on from there. Like I started to run a comedy night and it was sort of a mixture of sketch and some stand-ups. Then I started to MC the night uh, and then I emceed it with a friend. And then I was like, no, I think actually. And, and in that time I met like Sarah Pascoe and Steve Mould and Lou Sanders who've, you know, gone on to be really good friends. And eventually I just bit the bullet and was like, right, I'm going to do stand-up. I'm going to try it. It wasn't, I mean, I did it for eight years, but um, my heart was never in it. How come you decided to carry on doing it if you knew, if your heart wasn't in it? Because like, for me, I find it's something you need to be, you, the passion needs to be there, right? Yeah. Like, if it's not there, it becomes a little bit of a, of a drag. Yeah, it was a drag, if I'm honest. There, there was bits of it I absolutely loved. What I really loved was writing the material, mm. really, and perfecting that. But I would more or less go up, go on stage and perform a monologue. It wasn't, it was, I, 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 if I was doing it now, it would be totally different. You know, I'm, I'm good at improvising and I'm not scared as I used to be. But I, oh my God, my nerves were like, it, they were debilitating, you know. Yeah, yeah. I had a gig in the evening, I, my whole day. Well, you know, the, the few days leading up that was sort of a write-off. I was really mean, like. I remember Lou Sanders coming up to me at a gig. We were running together and she was like, I just don't know what I've done wrong. And I was like, oh my God, you've not done anything wrong. I'm just shitting my pants about the gig. Right, yeah. And, um, but I would, I'd be like, I wouldn't speak. Because I was like, if I speak, then my material will go. <laughs> so yeah. I was just like moody and and nervous and quiet. And But now I, I am seeing my little film night shooting the breeze and I love that. I'm never nervous. I get to sort of crack jokes and stuff, but I, I don't plan what I'm going to say. Or, and I, yeah, I absolutely love that. And, and it's, you know, it's shambolic and tech goes wrong and I have to like feel, you know, the, the projector broke one time for 40 minutes and I had to just talk and it was absolutely fine. Yeah. In fact, people had a lovely time. You know, we all, it was like Blitz Spirit. We were all like chin wagging, and you know, I had Luke McQueen and Will Andrews in the audience, so they, you know, were doing a bit. <laughs> Great, showing off basically. Yeah, I can relate to what you're saying because I did improv before I did stand up. Oh, okay, that's and good. It, it wasn't intentional. It was just sort right. of like you know, oh, I'll try this, and then. <laughs> but I, I, I know what you mean like when you when you have your bits and your material, it can feel like a little bit restrictive if you feel like you're following a script. And then, mm-hmm. you know, improv is quite freeing. And if you have that type of brain where you feel, I don't know, funnier, or or you feel like you have more freedom and you feel more relaxed to be funnier in the moment because you have got nothing to rehearse or think about, yeah, that can work your favour. Oh, for sure. For sure, and the rare little times I did allow myself a little bit of improvisation, uh, you know, in my like monologues, I I was good at it. Yeah. I just couldn't. I, it's really hard, weird to hear myself talking about it now because I just didn't have any common sense with. I could I I never sort of put the two and two things together. Like if you just chilled out and didn't. Whereas I used to do these like other you know the ACMS gigs and. Um, I did, me and Luke McQueen were in a double act that we, and that was like so unscripted. And I used to really enjoy ACMS because I would write something different for each thing, but it was never stand up. So it was very freeing. And, uh, but it was just stand up. I had this absolute block with, 
And I was just an actor, really. I, yeah, I can fully relate to that because I'm the same. When I've done like standards myself, I'm just like, Ugh! if I'm doing character stuff, you know, I'm fine. Or yeah. if it's exactly the same. It's kind of, I don't know if you feel this, but you kind of feel like, well, I should do this. Like, yeah. I don't know, it's oh, almost like a dutiful thing. I should do yeah. this. Really? I, and I was in a little right club with, um, it was me, Jess Foster Cues, my dear, dear friend now, um, Lou and Sarah Pasco, the four of us would write together. We'd write stand up, help each other, like workshop stand up. Oh, great. And we do like once a week, but I found that like an in- tremendous drag. <laughs> That's an awful thing to say, but I just felt like I was doing it wrong because right. they loved it so much and I hated it. Yeah, it, it wasn't your it wasn't your thing, was it? That that particular part of it wasn't wasn't yeah. your thing. So then after eight years you worked that out and yeah. and then what happened after that? It wasn't like you decided, oh actually like me performing stand up isn't for me and actually doing the more like what you say alternative or character or whatever, that's for me. Do you just decided actually performing comedy is not for me anymore or was it more of a case of like i'm i was more you were more drawn to writing etc and so you oh well i was always writing during that period in fact from the moment i did that you know left drama school okay i wrote and wrote and i i wrote a feature film with my friends jim and jamie which isn't um with jim owen who i still collaborate with a lot and a guy called jamie jones who's who was nominated for about oh no one of a couple of BAFTAs, I think, last year for his film, um, A Bay. And I was a cameo in it. It was nice. It felt, um, yeah, full circle. But we spent years writing a feature film together and it wasn't any good. (laughs) Um, But it was my film, it was my equivalent of film school, really. Okay. Um, Writing that with them. And I wrote sketches and I'd done, yeah, me and Luke would write lots of stuff together and sitcoms. I was developing a few and, and short films, obviously I made lots. So I was doing all of that during the stand-up time, but okay. um, I wasn't, um, I didn't dare admit to myself that that was the stuff I liked and the stand-up wasn't. Right, I, I, yeah. I think if I hadn't done stand-up, I probably would have got a lot further with my writing. Because like I say, if I had a gig, you know, tonight, we wouldn't be doing this podcast you know sure sure do you think in hindsight that all those years doing stand-up in some way informed your writing and you've benefited as a result or or even just like i try and take the positive side when these things i think well maybe even just the people that you met along the way who you've since collaborated with it was all worthwhile yeah i mean you know my my Jess Foster Q, you know, she lives five minutes down the road. I met her doing stand-up. She's my best, dearest friend. Um, yeah, we're developing a thing together. Um, oh, you know, Luke McQueen, I wouldn't have met him. And he's, you know, a key collabor- collaborator. You know, Brett Goldstein's been really, you know, quite a big person in my career. And You know, they're, they're all people that I wouldn't have met if it wasn't for, you know, stand-up. Yeah, you know Diane Morgan and Joe Wilkinson. You know they were people I really looked up to, and um, you know I just performed with Joe. Me and Joe just made a little thing together. And Diane and I have collaborated quite a few times. So yeah, I, I, whilst I I can feel quite cynical about it, like I probably take for granted how many contacts I made that have been really great friends and people that I've really enjoyed working with since. So. 
yeah, to, that they are definite positives. Talking of those collaborations you mentioned, like it's amazing how many people you collaborate with and you've got like, it seems like you've got particular people that you work with time and time again. Was that always like an intention or was it more of a case of you just enjoy, it's more fun creating oh, things yeah. with people and working on yeah, your own? for sure. Um, I've made a lot of stuff with Jim Owen, him as right, director, both of us as writers and me as a performer. And I, yeah, in between the lockdowns, I went to, he, he wrote me a little tiny thing with this thing with Joe Wilkinson and I was like, oh yeah, definitely do that. Oh no, fuck, he didn't write it. No, no, he directed it. Yeah, but I, I was immediately like, oh yeah, obviously I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, and then Craig Ainsley, you know, Ben Malaby, John Drew, they were all people. When I met those guys, I was like, oh, these are my people. Yeah, that's <laughs> a nice feeling when you have Yeah, that. yeah it's really, and it, it's, it's the short film people. Always. Yeah, because there's, there's, there's a difference, I feel like. You've got like people creating social media content and sketches, which is great, you know, all that sort of viral-led stuff that's on Twitter, etc. But that's, I feel like it's a, it's a different world to the short film world. Yeah, I agree, yeah. My, my little film, like, I can't, I'm not, I'm so good at trash-talking myself and not very good at complimenting myself, but Shooting the Breeze, my film, like, is the best thing in my life. In, is it? In, yeah, it's just, it's become, this just such a lovely event. And the people that come, you know, it's it's often the same people, but it's people I just really admire. And um, yeah, I saw because I was looking there, Jim Cummings' film. Yeah, Jim yeah. I know yeah. Jim. He, I mean, he's just ridiculous, isn't he? That okay. <laughs> Thunder Road. I went. I was just going on and on about that when I saw that. I was oh, like, short this film. Is, this is the level. Yeah. And yeah. and then um, oh, the other one. What's it? Um, I know you fucked with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, so that's Sean Wing. <laughs> oh, that's sure. that's where I recognise his name from. Yeah, oh, man, I just cracked up at that. I think that his performance so in that film is—I'm going to say it—one of the best comedy performances I've ever seen. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's so good. I don't know if he like managed. I don't know if that like you know it's like slightly sweaty, like clammy looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the scene where he's like at the party when yeah. he's walking through things, like I don't know whether that was just his natural state or if he was sprayed a little bit or, but it's such it a yeah. It and really and I think about it and I laugh. Yeah, that's what I love is that when you have films like that that are able to just match the cinematic element you know that and just make it look brilliant along yeah. with just a very funny script and yeah. idea and that they sorry yeah go for it I, i'm just rambling philosophy about um the short film people i think like often you know you know craig and i are now developing whenever you're ready as a sitcom but that was going to be a standalone short film. And I think there's something about writing something short. It's such a ball ache to make a short film. There's no money in it. Even if someone's given you, you know, a few grand to make something, there's, you're, ne- you're not taking any of that home. You know, no. that's not going in your pocket. That's going on a DOP. Or 100%. Whatever. It's often career-wise, there's nothing in it for you. <laughs> so you just are making something that you really care about. Yeah. And I think that, that it, it takes a certain type of person. And I think like what I love about Shooting the Breeze is there's no ego. It's just 
people really nerding off at other people's really good stuff. That's what and, it feels like. Yeah, it feels very supportive. I just yeah. um, joined the the BAFTA crew uh, oh, yeah. program, and and already you can just see it's that kind of vibe with everyone in the WhatsApp group. I mean, there's a yeah, lot of messages yeah. popping off. I can't keep track of them all. But aside, they all it all seemed very supportive, and that does seem like a common trait within the short film yeah. world because everyone's in the same boat. Yeah, totally. Yeah, shooting the breeze has become like this sort of I call it like the party for tired dads because <laughs> so many of the filmmakers. <laughs> and it's like they're one night they're allowed. And it, <laughs> You know, we get paralytic drunk because it finishes like quarter past eight. Okay. And then we just drink and none of it's like starts at seven. So no one's had any dinner and it's um, just so fun. You managed to squeeze one in in December, didn't you? No. Did you oh, you didn't. Oh, no. okay. I was going to do a socially distanced one. I was doing it over two screenings so that we would just half fill the venue. Yeah, that's what I read. Yeah, it didn't, didn't happen. Have- it was like missed missed the lockdown by two days. I was gearing up to it, like starting to get a little bit anxious about whether I was putting people at risk. So actually, when it was called off, I was like, you know, in my half hearts, I was like having little t- niggly second thoughts. Yeah, I know you mean. Um, but I just before um, the first lockdown, I did my first one at Soho House. Okay, it got like sort of poached by um, by uh, the devil. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> Did, was it like your 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 audience plus? A few of my normal house. ones came. Like Ben Mallaby came and Ross, the two guys, Gideon and Ben, from Roscoe Five and Johnny and Pierre from Big Red Button and then a few sort of smattering of friends. Right. But otherwise it was like Soho House members and um, it's just so different. You know, the one in Bermondsley, we're all shoved into this tiny little cinema. It's beautiful. But, yeah. you know, the screen's not great. The sound's not great. But it sort of... It's, it's part of the magic. Yeah, totally. And yeah. Um, it's fun. And, you know, I always oversell the tickets. There's, like, people sitting on the stairs and at the, on the floor. Whereas Soho House was, like, the pandemic had just sort of started to kick off. So a few people cancelled on the day. And then you're in this massive like room and everyone's got like a, you know, a lamp and a table between them. So there's none of that sort of like camaraderie that you get. And it was absolutely lovely, like to see the films on the, that massive screen. And they, they wooed me, you know, I wasn't sure about doing it there. And then they gave me a presentation. Oh, wow. And the sound in that room, and it's like better than any like Odeon or anything like it's, off the scale basically like you see with the sound yeah that your yeah. seats are trembling <laughs> like you know the the fact is like there's films i play uh, often people like they haven't really got the you're not going to be utilizing that surround sound very much <laughs> you know you've just got some guy in a boom <laughs> 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 and he's not trained so <laughs> he's also the dop <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah god how many shoots have we done like that yeah um, so, but it was really good, and I know, and I do want to carry on doing it because I think there's it's nice to show the people that did come that wouldn't normally come all said like, oh my god, I didn't know people were making stuff that good. Hmm. And I remember going to like a a, um, a sort of Channel Four screening, and they played lots of short films before, the, then they played like their own content, and 
I'm not being mean about the the content they were making. Like it was really funny, but production wise, like the short films like shat all over the like commission stuff because we don't have a budget generally. So we just go, I don't know, like the effort to make things look good and the camera work. And I don't know, just, I don't know. It, it, it just shone and it was the laughs, you know, were, were bigger and you can see immediately when they started to show their own stuff it's like oh can, all I see is like the limitations that you had to work with you know and um and also presumably some of the the filmmakers that you're showcasing they're, they're newer filmmakers they're not necessarily people that have been around the block directing loads and loads of tv whereas a yeah, lot, of the, lot yeah. of the time not always but a lot of the time but broadcasters will go with tried and tested directors yeah. that have done x amount of shows yeah. so you're going to get just exciting new ways of doing things as a yeah, result. Yeah, for sure. And, and a lot of, or in fact, probably all of the sort of shooting the breed regular directors, you know, me and Ben Malaby as Barbara included, like we, it's, it's advertising, it's the background, you know, it's commercials and, you know, you've got big budgets, big, gorgeous kit. That you gorgeous get. kit, yeah. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah. Oh, and, and the catering. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, but, uh, yeah. just, just on that point, sorry. Yeah. Oh, we'll go finish what you're saying and then I'll come back to that. Um, I think that was it really. I think I was just making the same point. Yeah. That we, yeah, we come from a different world. So we get all this lovely stuff that we yeah. can use, but we're shooting something perhaps we don't care about. So when we do shoot something that we really care about, you know, we go beyond yeah no. uh, you, yeah there's a certain yeah. level of tlc there isn't there yeah 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 whereas those those directors like they're not getting the tv work and it's sort of it's sort of a crime but yeah but going back to you saying about you know you know why would some people do this why would you just make these short films why would you just like have this labor of love you just slave over you get but you don't get paid from it. But with each production, with each short you're, you're doing, you, you learn something new. I always learn something new of any production I'm working, whether I'm producing it or I'm directing it. And yeah, and then you, you can just experiment and try something new yeah. each time. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. Like when you're doing commercials, you do have the toys, but you're limited in terms yeah. of what you can try and experiment with. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you've got a panicked client next door <laughs> looking through the monitor. Um, Sorry, um, what, what, can you just move that biscuit a little bit to the right? Oh, the food stuff. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. That's the worst bit. I get it. Look, I, I completely get it. I understand their position. You know, yeah. they're just protecting their brand and, you know, they're not the enemy or anything that, but, but just going back to, you know, what the beauty of making your own projects is just you have that creative freedom that you wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, it's, totally. But, it's not, but just not the budget. <laughs> Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. You mentioned Barbara, and I wanted to talk to you about that. So that is that's your your latest directing collective. Yes, that's me and Ben Malaby. Yeah. yeah. So how did that, how did that come about? Because I know you've just been signed recently to Merman, haven't you? As a as, as yeah collective. yeah as a yeah. Is that, and is that for you to direct commercials together? Yeah, 
Great. Fact, That's awesome. They're, um, Otis has been WhatsApping me quite a lot on this call, which I will have to get back to at the end. Um, yeah, so Ben and I uh, have been collaborating for ages and we okay. really bring out something good in each other. I'm a real perfectionist and Ben's, but that can slow me right down sometimes. Mm. Whereas Ben's like slap dash, let's do it, you know, let's make it. And um, which is, I need a bit of that yeah. and he needs a bit of me. And so it works really well. My background is predominantly writing. Um, his is directing. I'm really, you know, new to directing, learning the ropes, and he's the same with writing. So it's worked really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've started to make a few things with under the umbrella of Barbara. Um, the last thing we made was in between the lockdowns with um, Kyle Smith-Bino, who's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I saw that. It's great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean... You know, I was like, I want it all in one take. <laughs> and uh, and Ben's sometimes like, really? Because that is a ball egg. And I was like, <laughs> I want it in one take. <laughs> and I want a three suit, you know. And then he's got, he he um, lectures at South Bank Uni. So we often use the crew from there. And there's um, a brilliant DOP that we use called Jamie. And um, he's re- already surly and he's not even 20. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> and we use him all the time and he got he got to the shoot and he was like right sh- should i put it on, put the camera on sticks and ben was like oh yeah i should have told you it's all one take so you think it needs to be handled and he the little kid was just like for fuck's sake <laughs> like you gotta let me know and yeah. he was like, you know but ben's his lecturer so it's not like he can kick off too much. <laughs> um so when you're on set and you are trying to convey to your dop you know what you want etc how did you build up your film grammar knowledge? I mean, did you like go out your way to read books on directing or was it more of a case you just learned on set? Just learn, yeah. learn on set. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, um, I want it moving. You. I want it moving. Yeah. I really, that's honestly, sometimes that's, I just, that's what I, that's what I did. So I got off. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, just moving it. Keep it still. The camera's still. And then like, <laughs> I could saw the first day in DMP just like nodding their heads in disgust. I like it. And also I think um, I definitely had imposter syndrome when I was first in it, but, um, and I still get it, especially now that me and Ben are sort of getting proper work. But yeah, yeah, the the DOPs I've always worked with have been just so into doing something interesting Mm -hmm. and, and, and just so kind and like into the projects that uh, I haven't, it's just been a joy. They get to be creative then. I'm like, you know, there was one time when I was working with a DAP called Ibrahim and he uh, works for Ascension Films. So he's predominantly like a drone pilot, but he, um, he was doing some stuff, um, some Steadicam stuff with me. And I was desperate to do a 360, like all the way, you know, like sort of like, um, I was going, you know, like Matrix. <laughs> and, um, and he was like, we never, we just haven't got the depth of field to do that. It was like, but we could do uh, a contrast zoom. And I was like, and he's like, Jules. I was like, yeah, 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 I want a Jules Zoom. <laughs> and so, I, you know, me and him have got a great way of talking to each other now where we just, like, list things from movies. Yeah. And, you know, and even with the with various artists' projects, I was like, you know, I was using Kaiser Sose in um, Usual Suspects as, like, a ref, you know, a, a cinematic reference to The Walking, you know. Um, so I work like that, you know. I find the... I often just find the YouTube clip or the image or something like that and show 
that you know i often my storyboards are often built of you know stills from films everyone's got their own way of doing things haven't they it's whatever works best for you you just figure it out and there isn't like a one system for all and going back to that thing what you're saying about imposter syndrome it's very easy to get caught up in that on the basis of like oh i'm just showing my dop a a reference to a film so why not yeah if that's if that's the most effective way to convey your idea and what you want then great yeah and i think um you know the dops that i've worked with that are just friends now i guess like that means that they get to use all the tools that they've learned you know they're then like fixing a problem and we're talking about it and we're getting excited about it and you know, I used to feel so bad that I didn't know the names of lenses and stuff. Like, I am slowly sort of learning them. And, and working with Ben, who's studied film, teaches it, you know, sometimes I'm like, slow down. You need to just tell me, you know, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you need to, you know, and it's quite, um, you know, he works really quickly. So sometimes I, I have to just go say all of that again. Yeah. But then are you from, from the flip side, I'm sure he probably benefits from the fact that you come from a performing background. Yeah. There's a certain level of, level of empathy that you have with your performers and can communicate yeah. with them in a different manner. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. I mean, me and him have always worked very efficiently as uh, me as performer and his, him as director, but he definitely, um, you know, he, and he never likes says, well done or good, that was good or anything. And, and I the don't... Actors. <laughs> yeah. But I, keep I, them on their toes. <laughs> yeah i'm just happy to get it done you know yeah but um yeah sometimes i'm like you have to go and tell him he was good <laughs> it's, it's very deflating yeah um, and because like as an actor like I, I know if i've been on set before particularly early on and i've done something and you're not getting any feedback from the director you kind of you want to ask them but you feel like yeah. oh, i'm going to be way it sounds too pathetic and needy yeah. if i do oh my God. was that like for you <laughs> yeah. Like after after great. having sex. Was that okay for you? <laughs> you know what I did there? <laughs> um yeah, you were saying at the um at the podcast with Craig that um you like it when the crew laughs. <laughs> That's how needy I am. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, like whenever you're ready was such a slog. Yeah. Craig, you know, like, that wasn't improvised, was it? That was scripted. No, right? no. Oh my god, it was very scripted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, I improvised tiny little bits, and Craig was like, "We we improvised bits in the read-throughs. You know, we did rehearse readings, and um, and he popped in, you know, little nuances that I'd said. And well, that's credit. That's a credit to your performance, because I said to Craig, I was like, "How much of that was improvised? It was just so naturalistic." Well, you know what? I've never ever received a script as well written for me as that yeah me and Craig weren't even we were aware of each other like I showed Leslie at Shooting the Breeze and he knew of my stuff and okay um, but we weren't friends and um, he sent me a email well you know how bad I am at admin I'm absolutely awful talking about this thing called balancing act like I can't balance anything I I was the one that got the room the wrong zoom room despite me sending you the zoom link I was like you're not here (laughs) oh I'm on the wrong I'm just very bad at replying. Um, But yeah, so Craig wrote this script and sent it to me. And the character was literally called Rachel. Okay. I get sent a lot of short films just because I've done a lot. Yeah. A lot of them. And I'm, you know, I generally don't do them anymore. Yeah. And they're brilliant. And um, I saw that email from Craig and I was like, oh, I must reply to that. And then life got in the way. Mm. And I was going for a sort of horrible breakup at the time. 
and um, I'd got a bit pissed and I was on the train and I was sad pissed and I think I can't remember what it was and I think like my ex had like I found out he'd got a new girlfriend or he'd moved in with her or something like that something that hurt and I was pissed like with one eye on the train like just sending him fucking loads of gifts like gifts of <laughs> Like people just going, hi, or, you know, like, you know, that bear that's sort of waving and just like one of it, like deranged, just drunk and hurt. And then I got a message from Craig saying, sorry, I'm going to, this is really demoralizing, but I'm just going to ask for one more time if you had a chance to read that script. So I read it in that state, having a breakdown. And I just was like, I can't believe how brilliant that script is right now for me you know he had no idea i was going for a break that makes so much sense because you could really feel that well it was very um it was very fun yeah it looked it um yeah and now when me and craig are writing the sitcom together it's such a joyful process like one of the most joyful writing processes i ever had why is that when we get like <laughs> writer's block or something, or like we get stuck, you know, we've, we're on like draft four now or something, you know, and it's getting complicated with, you know, adhering to what the production company want and what we want. And, um, and then, you know, every so often Craig just goes, tell me something that you've done. Right. Because, right. you know, I'm such a nightmare and, you know, I've really made some terrible errors in my life. Haven't we all? So yeah. there's, there's a, there's, we've got this thing where uh, my, my boyfriend in it. He's he. There's a recording of him singing um, uh, a Phil Collins groovy kind of love to me, and uh, that's directly lit, um, from me getting really drunk and um, recording myself singing that to a boyfriend at the time years ago, like a decade ago, oh, over a decade ago. And um, Craig's like, right, forget what I wrote. Let's just put directly lift that from your life. <laughs> And it's quite encouraging. Like when I started, I went on like dating app. I went on a dating app and I was like, Craig, I'm on a dating app. And he went, oh, this will be so good for my art. <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably will be actually. Um, it's quite so, therapeutic, yeah, isn't it? It's so therapeutic. Yeah. And anything bad that happens now, like I just text Craig and that, that's like a <laughs> reminder of like, oh, this fucking terrible thing happened. I'm so sad. <laughs> he's like, brilliant. <laughs> Let's capitalise on that when we next speak. Um, so he's become like my notes, you know. Um, I, I always find, I don't know about you, but I always find if I remember to immediately record something that's happened, yeah, I, I'll know that I'm in the right state of mind. It doesn't matter if I'm happy or sad, but I'm present enough to be able to just pause and go, that's fucking gold. <laughs> whereas if i'm like a bit all over the place i'm being pulled in directions or whatever i i just i won't get the value out of that tragedy it will just be tragedy for tragedy's sake as opposed to yeah. what you said art <laughs> yeah that's really interesting yeah yeah i mean i don't know what i do without this outlet yeah like i'm so um angry i've got horrible anger and i worry and um, it's really can really take over sometimes, but now that I've learned to just put it in something, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so good. I don't, I honestly don't know what I do without it. Do you meditate or you do anything like that too? But what I do do is I'm, I'm a really keen patchworker. <laughs> oh yeah. Hence the sewing. 
<laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I can so. imagine that being very therapeutic. Yeah, that does feel like meditation. Yes, yeah, certainly patchwork because it's just monotony. Mm. And, and it's like you're using just enough brain to, um, you know, like it's me- a lot of measuring and pressing and, and it, you know, it's, everything's got to be precise. So there's, you're using enough brain to not, to sort of dampen any too much thought. Yeah. But often I'll have, um, often I'll fix a problem, you know, like I, I, I dug out an old script actually a couple of weeks ago because suddenly I was in the shower and I fixed a problem with a script that I'd more or less given up on. And um, I was like, oh God, oh wow. And I dusted it off. And when I read it back, I, I couldn't remember like whole s- swathes of it. But I was like, this is really good. <laughs> it's a really good script. So, uh, you know, the brain's so weird. Yeah. It just goes to show there's so much uh, value in sometimes just parking a project for a while. Yeah. And then you yeah, just... Yeah, I'm a big one for that. But I also, I don't know about you, sometimes I just get caught in the trap. of I'll just open the laptop and then it's sort of you're in panic mode and then just trying to push stuff out. It's just like, no, this isn't what we're doing. This yeah. isn't even fun and it's not productive. Yeah, I never, that's really hard. That's, yeah, I really agree with that. I never know quite when it's me being lazy. Yeah. Or um, me being a good writer and like saying, no, this isn't coming right now. Like, do something else. Because there's a school of thought, it's like, you know, there's that school of thought, someone like Stephen King says, you've got to sharp and write every day. Yeah. Regardless. Uh, I, I don't think I work like that. Um, but the fact that you, you, most of your projects are collaborative. I guess takes a lot of that away. If you've got someone else who's sort of not necessarily pushing you on, but there's there's someone else there that you know, yeah, it's gonna be you've got to go down. back to. Yeah, he's going to be let down. That probably is like a really good, you know, motivation. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, yeah, my, my agent, my literary agent, gets really annoyed with me that I'm always collaborating. Really, <laughs> he's like, please can you just write something on your own. And I do have a couple of projects that I'm doing on my own. But the reason I like collaborating is I'm generally doing it with someone I really care about and really mm. like. Um, and also it's that it's exactly what you've just articulated, which I've never really thought about is that, yeah, they make me do it. Yeah. And, and, and as a result, you've got, you've got a, like a massive output. You've got a yeah. much bigger output than if you were just doing it on your own. And what's great yeah. is that you're popping up acting and then, you know, writing, directing, co-directing. There's so many different avenues, which as we discussed earlier, at first can feel a bit like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? But you get mm-hmm. to a point and you get in, your sort of feels like, well, from what I sense, you've got a rhythm and you've got all these yeah. different collaborations. And as a result, you've got all these great pieces of work coming out from different angles. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it can be tight. There was a point just before Christmas where I was like, I've done, I've taken on too much now. I was like, I was really stressed out. Yeah, but actually, yeah, with the COVID stuff, that one of the projects got slightly—it's just been postponed a little bit—and um, I was really grateful for that. I mean, I you know I want to buy my own flat in a couple of months, and so I'm really like I've just—I had a rule that you just say yeah, just say yes if they're paying you, just say yes. So um, and it's quite—that's that, a really nice decision to make actually. Mm. It takes all the worry away, you know. So often I'll be like, oh, I don't know what it. I'm worried that if I say yes to that and that one goes ahead, then I won't have time. I won't have the right amount of time to, you know, give to that. But actually, um, yeah, you just say yeah and just make it work. I mean, 
I've worked so hard these last few years, all, all mainly because I just want to buy my own place. You know, it's like there's, I've said yes to things that I, I wouldn't have done, <laughs> like, you know, being in ads and stuff. Like I, I made a decision a few years back to not do any more acting in commercials. And then, and I haven't got an, an acting agent. And, um, and I thought, well, I don't want an acting agent because I don't want those jobs to come through. But actually, because I work with so many directors that do ads, they, they come, you know, the casting director just get, has my number now. Yeah. And just phones me directly. And, you know, you think, well, if you've gone to this bother to get in touch, I know that I'm shortlisted for this. Mm. And then they they tell you how much it is, and you're like, yeah, well, obviously I'm going to do it. Obviously, yeah, the money's too good not to. <laughs> yeah, I got a fucking, I can't get a mortgage, you know. So um, money and the catering. Yeah, and they're always fun. That's they the are thing. fun. They're, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, they I, are. I, um, you know, I did a thing where I had to drive around on a low loader, and I'd never done that before, and I was yeah. like, oh, this is really great. And it also goes back to the thing, you're, again, you're just meeting people, aren't you? Every time, yeah, you're always exactly. meeting someone. Yeah. And actually, the DAP that was on that, um, we worked out that we'd worked together on Game Face, actually. Um, yeah, Rasheen Connolly's thing, I had a little part yeah. in that. He yeah. was the DAP on the first series. And we sat on the minibus together and we were going, what have we done? Like, and we just reeled off every job we'd ever had. And finally, like, we got to that one. Okay. And now, like, you know, he's a friend and... Hopefully he's going to do the teaser, you know, for the sitcom with Rosie. So, yeah, it all works out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Do you ever find it challenging when you're going into rooms with broadcasters, either let's say you're pitching an idea or whatever it might be from an industry perspective, are you ever met with confusion in terms of, so what are you? Are you a, are you an actor? Are you a writer? Are you a director? Are you all three? Or do you think we're past that point now where that's not really an issue anymore? I feel like um, I've, this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently because I've been thinking about, you know, teaching these NFTS students and stuff. And I think a few years back, I felt that I'd made a, quite a hefty old era with spreading myself so thin across all the disciplines. And and, you know, what I touched on before, which was like feeling like I probably did spend too long on the stand-up stuff. And But um, now I feel like it is paid off finally and I don't regret it now. But, you know, I've had, you know, six months sofa surfing so I didn't have any money. And, you know, if I wanted to do Edinburgh, I had to like, you know, starve myself. And, you know, so there was like money problems and... Um, it all felt like a big struggle. And now I feel like I've got such a distinctive writing voice. You you can watch something that Ben and I have directed and sort of know we directed it. Or, and same with my solo stuff, certainly writing. Yeah, so I feel like it has paid off, but fucking hell, what I've, what I've slept. Yeah, what a journey, uh, yeah. It's been hard, yeah. It's been hard. It's been like a nightmare. <laughs> It's hard, but like, I don't know. Yeah, right. I, I don't get jealous of other people's success, but what I did always find challenging sometimes <laughs> is if, um, sorry, okay. a bit of COVID there. Um, <laughs> what, what I did find hard sometimes was when you see someone, yeah, what I find hard was like, 
a contemporary of yours from one of the fields. So, so someone you started out with at a similar time, then shoot ahead. Because then that sort of like, you get the seeds of doubt. It's like, oh, if I just stuck with that, I would be there now, as opposed yeah. to doing all these different things. Do you, yeah, did you I find think, that at all? Yeah, I do. And, and also I find, um, well, I don't know. I found that, you know, I, I'm a, in terms of like performing, which is probably like the thing I've got the least confidence in, I um yeah like learning that the ones that have done really well have all paid for PR and you're like oh fuck why didn't anyone tell me that when I was like hating myself living on you, the comedians yeah. you're referring to yeah yeah and and people that have maybe had success you're like what that was a leap yeah you know you went from there to there and you missed out that bit and um and it, and it's often like one thing I'm absolutely awful at is schmoozing you know I'm a loner I like being alone <laughs> like that doesn't lend itself well to um you know going to parties and but but then you yeah. like you say that but at the same time as we've already talked about you're also a serial collaborator yeah yeah but that's one-on-one yeah that's okay yeah I'm very for that. and shooting the breeze that, that's so social like that's this my social thing I do but I get on so well with everyone that comes and it doesn't feel yeah. in any way like networking. Networking, yeah. It is. it is, you know, I've got, had so much work off the back of Shooting the Breeze and now commission has come and, um, you know, I've never opened it out really to industry, not, not in a big way. In fact, I've sort of like asked them not to come in the past. but That's going to um, make them want to come more. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, look down the thing. I'm like, all right, fucking four guys from the BBC, like yeah. a few production companies and Channel 4 there. And, and it's fun and it's lovely. And actually they come for a night off and just come to watch like really good stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, in that sense, I, yeah. But yeah, I do get, I, I think I've still got like a bit of, yeah, I don't, yeah, envy or jealousy, one of the horrible, you know, horrible emotions about, um performing i think yeah, yeah. It's like a hangover. so what have you a bit of ego to be doing it in the first place you so, got to, you know that's never and i never go, felt like i had enough to make us a, a really good go of it but um i do feel sometimes when i meet people you know going like, oh right that's the sacrifice you make to be successful <laughs> <laughs> you have to be yeah. a fucking wanker <laughs> like that yeah, and I'd, I'd like to think though that is changing. I'd like to think that. Yeah, people, I agree. Yeah, I, I, agree. I, I don't know whether people are coming more empathetic or have just clocked yeah. actually working with wankers is not the one. Yeah, um, yeah. I or social media, or whatever it is, like things are more public now, so you can't hide yeah. behind that fake persona. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Or, or maybe it's us that we're just getting older and more forgiving. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. It does feel like those, like that generation of like divas, um, like old school, like posh Oxbridgey types, aren't they? Feel like they're a dying breed. Yeah, I'll just wait to see until we maybe work with them, and then <laughs> yeah, totally. We can we yeah. can share feedback. Have you always had like a vision of what of like the end goal? Have you got like a this is it? I know I'm happy here. I've, I've arrived. I can't imagine that I'll ever feel like that. Yeah, yeah, you're going to always want to make more and do more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But definitely, you know, I've got a few, like, dreams. Like, 
you know, as a performer, I just absolutely love to work with Shane Meadows. You know, okay. that's like yeah. up there. Yeah. Um, you know, and oh God, I mean, Mike Lee, I would have, but you know, he's not going on a bit now. Though, you know, they were like, yeah, I'd love to. You know, even if it's just sitting in a room chewing the fat with Shane Meadows, I'd, I'd love to do that. And I feel like you know, his his work has such a you know, I've, and he, I'm so influenced by his stuff. And yeah. um, he needs to save us from the latest lockdown and release an, the latest series of This Is England. Yeah, that would be amazing. The yeah. lockdown version, actually, yeah. not a lockdown version, but yeah, could do another one of those. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, making a film. Like I haven't made a feature film yet, and I definitely that's like you're developing. Yeah. Aren't you developing your first feature at the moment? Yeah, developing yeah. Good Grief. Yeah. Great. Um, but I'm still writing it and I made a massive, um, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm in a real pickle with it. But, um, and in that you're solely writing? Yeah, I'm solely writing that. Okay. Me and Malaby have been, he's been nagging me to do something with that for a really long time. And he's like, let's do it as a Barbara thing. And I haven't seen that. I'm having to like slightly rejig what I want to do with it. And, um, because I had always once, I always thought of, that's something I would write and direct. So, and I would still like to do that. And I, and, and perhaps doing it with Ben would be the kick up the ass I need. Yeah. So yeah, I just, that's a real dream. Um, right. You know, just being, just getting my stuff on the telly, you know, yeah. whenever you're ready, um, you know, I just, me and Craig are both so proud of that script and it does. Um, yeah. It's been an absolute joy to write and, Clarkmore films who have been just dream to work with. That short film's so great because you just you know what it is. You know, it's like this this character. We're just gonna we're just gonna go with her. Yeah. And like yeah, we're in. Um, and yeah, their notes have been made. You know, you work with some production companies and you're like, oh, when they give you their notes, you're like, oh, I don't think you get what this project is like. Whereas they have just from day one like got it, and they've really like wanted me and Craig to be as feel as free as we can and um, yeah it's been lovely that's great I think like my goalposts change loads Um, yeah they always do don't they they get the goals inevitably get more ambitious as you progress really yeah I guess that's part of the fun of it isn't it yeah I want to film underwater you know like (laughs) there's a few things like I'm like yeah I'm gonna really die unhappy if I don't film underwater um yeah, I want to film on a set that rotate. You know, there's like these tiny little girls. It's like, yeah. I, I love, um, I get really annoyed with CGI and I love thing, you know, models and everything that's made with the hands. I also really love carpentry. So I'm like interested in like the mechanics of that. Yeah, Me, well, they're good. They're, very, they're nice. They're very specific goals. Yeah, and they're really achievable yeah. as well. And I, and yeah. I think like more of them, the better. Mm. Uh, and then there's other, you know, there's like, other goals that are, you know working with certain people that I would just absolutely love yeah yeah I um wanted to ask you outside of all the career stuff I mean we've touched upon it but what are your go-to things to just take your mind off all of it and relax yeah well certainly sewing and um I run and um I really love music I listen to a lot of music but then, and, and also, you know, I absolutely love films and I've started to um, uh, go back and watch old films recently. 
I recently watched um, Heat again and I watched Big oh. Again. Yeah, I get so emotional was... every time with that final scene. You've seen them for the I, first time I in the same bits. shot. Yeah, I was in bits. I'm in the throes of a new relationship at the moment and um, I didn't know whether I was comfortable enough to like cry in front of them. Like, <laughs> How long uh, had it been? Uh, oh, it's like months, you know. Okay, okay. Um, oh God, maybe, maybe like five or something. But um, That's perfectly yeah, acceptable I, time. I was like sitting behind him so that, but it really got to me. Like, yeah, it's amazing. I, I can't remember feeling as moved. And actually, it's not, um, it's not as flawless a film as I remember. Those like, films age, don't they? They do age. Real patchy um, plot stuff. It's so complicated. You know, yeah. it's like you forget that. And um, yeah, but it was really, I, I, it still stood up as a really good, I mean, fuck, that shoot him up. Yeah, you know when they come out of the bank, it's it's. I think I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I think the best shoot 'em up I can think of. Sometimes I just go and watch that bit on YouTube, you know. Mm. Um, and you know, and and the other thing that I couldn't remember was like Al Pacino's performance is huge, as in like he's playing it big, and yeah. there's bits where it's like, all right, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he accuses his his fiance fiance. Uh, yeah, or I think wife actually, isn't it? Yeah, his wife, wasn't it? Of of cheating or something like that. When he does that line, you got a big ass and you got you yeah. got your head all the way up. Yeah, yeah. She's got a great ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, but it was fucking great. I mean, it's so long and so good. Mm. Val Kilmer, like brilliant performance from him. Um, I watched Point Break again and. Ghost, um, you know, loads of new stuff. But um, the only trouble with, you know, sometimes I don't want to watch comedy because I don't turn off. So I'm, you know, one of the and that's so I've many done. people who work in comedy say the same thing. Yeah, they just they're. I think I don't know if there's also something said of like once you start working in it, you're always going to be a fan. But in a way, it does change things because you are analysing etc. And you just want to you're drawn yeah. to other genres. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what I become really drawn to is anything to do with zombies and apocalypse and okay, I quite like island stuff, which is not a great thing to admit, but um, you know, the purge stuff like all of that is like yeah. fucking mind numbing, um, yeah. and awful. And I'm never gonna make anything like that, so I can really just turn off and like watch shit loads of people get killed. Which feels mad because I'm, I'm, I'm actually terrified of death and, um, you know, I've had a lot of grief in my life and it's not something that sits well with me, but I can absolutely watch a shit ton of people die from a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> not a problem for me. Do you find, you know, being in a relationship, do you ever worry that, you know, having that okay. sense of happiness is going to affect your, your, your comedy uh, storytelling? Yeah, I do. Because you've got a very, you know, you've got a very specific tone of voice. Yeah. And, um, you know, probably it's ha- happiness in, in yeah, it's, it's not conducive in, in, in a sense uh, to it. Yeah, well, I've always got, I've got so many um, things I've not dealt with. <laughs> That's why I went to see a therapist. I've got a lot of horrible stuff suppressed. Uh, so I can just like, I just pick bits and bobs. 
<laughs> like going to that horrible part of our growing where I blocked that thing out that I did when I was 16. That's probably uh, the way to do it, actually. Right. Thera- yeah. You're just probably losing nuggets of gold going to therapy. Unless a lot of my friends have been like, because I've got anger issues. Um, a lot of my friends are like, just go to therapy. I, I really think you benefit from it. And I'm like, I think I'll just, it's so much funny. You know, <clears throat> when I was, the, the worst thing that, I, when I was coming out of that long relationship, the one that before whenever you're ready, like I did some mental things and I don't want to ever forget them. So are you saying then that you, you are purposely not going to therapy because uh, you feel it will, it's not on purpose. Okay. Okay. So yeah, as in it's not, it's not, you're not dying on your creative sword. No, no, but Thank I you. do. Um, I don't know. Um, the, the, yeah, I think I can, I'm in control enough to use the awful stuff. At, you know, things pop up. Like when I was like 23, my very dear friend died. And um, that was really what made me write good grief. But it took me right. a decade. Uh, but maybe not a decade, but I'd started to think about it. And it wasn't even anything to do with him or it was just like a thing that grief had done to me. Okay. And, um, and you know, losing someone young and that sort of mangled my head up for a long time. And, um, yeah, these things sort of have a way of working their way out. Mm. Yeah. Also, therapy just seems like a baller. I mean, oh God. It is. Do you know what happened with my therapist recently, okay? She abandoned me. She dumped me for somebody else. She basically said, we'd had some therapy stuff and we got some really deep shit, you know, that I'd unearthed. And then two sessions later, she said, listen, I've been thinking about it. I actually think this therapist might be better for you because they do a certain type of therapy. And I was like, really? Okay. And I just sort of went along with it because I assume, you know, therapists know best. And then I spoke to my, my flatmate who's trained to be a uh, psychologist at the moment right. and uh, he was like dude that is not fucking cool that no, is he's that like give you a complex yeah i know so there you go you gotta yeah, you gotta have the right therapist <laughs> yeah she's keeping me on my toes um yeah, that's so peculiar yeah have you seen that film, the ghoul seen what sorry the film the ghoul no oh well there's he, he, he yeah the main character Tom me and he has to change therapists and it doesn't end well so you should watch that okay i'll watch that noted noted <laughs> uh yeah yeah no it's um i can see why you wouldn't go i i can see why uh, and also I, it's I, expensive <laughs> it's yeah, that's uh, especially if you're saving up to buy a property <laughs> yeah exactly I, I wonder if it's a little bit to do with that i, I um yeah, there's times where I feel um, overwhelmed <laughs> and I think you should have gone and sorted that out. You should have talked about that with someone professional, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, you know. But, um, but then I can just ignore it. Yeah, exactly. Just ignore it and let, uh, let it all come out and onto your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, or onto, onto a page. Or onto, or, yeah, or onto a page. Yeah, exactly. And um, are there any books that you have read over the years that have had a, a, a big impact on you? About writing? It could be writing or it could be anything in, in general. Um, I absolutely loved Mike Lee on Mike Lee. That was lovely. Oh, I haven't read that. Yeah, I loved that. And, and Into the Woods by uh, John York. Yeah, that's great. So good. Yeah, really, that was really great. But, but generally, I don't read much to do with my profession. I really like narrative 
I sí. read, I'm a voracious reader of narrative comedy. Um, um, sorry, narrative books. Um, what have I read recently that I really, really loved? Or any standout um, over time? I like um, I like sort of um, uh, dystopian stuff. I like um, stuff to do with the end of the world, um, apocalypses. I like all that. I really like The Wall recently. I read that. Okay. Um, Who's that by? Do you know? Can't remember. Okay. Google it. I'm good. I'm just that's literally out of self interest. Oh, okay. So yeah. Rose Johnson is my friend. She's in the Birthday Girls and stand up comedian. She, whenever I want a new book, I just text her and she just showers me with, oh my God, tell you what was a brilliant book. Um, my Dark Vanessa. Yeah, that I thought was just insane. I don't read enough fiction. I read loads of autobiographies. I do. You see, I can't. I, I love an autobiography. Kate Elizabeth Russell. That was right up my strata. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that was. It was. I was reading it for homework, but um, it was brilliant. Couldn't put it down. Actually, I love that. I love it when that happens. The oh best. my goodness, me same. Yeah, it's the best. You just yeah, I was really like, like, oh my god, when was the last time I moved? Like, busting for a piss because maybe, maybe that's where the frozen shoulder came from. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. so with that, so the frozen shoulder is a reference, is a pre recording reference because Rachel, you were explaining that you've got a frozen shoulder, and I yeah. wasn't aware of that term before. So, no, I wasn't before I got one. Oh. Uh, and to the listener, it is agony. Yeah, sounds it. It does oh, sound it. Yeah. Um, all right, so final question that I'm going to ask you that I ask all the guests on the podcast. What does the idea of balance mean to you or not, Rachel Stubbings? Well, the idea of balance sounds like something I need. Um, I haven't got any. I'm uh, really bad at structuring my days. I'm really bad at structuring my workload. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't... Um, Sometimes when I've got a, like, a horrendous writing deadline the next, you know, for the next day, I'll sew until 9pm and then be like, right now I've got to do all that work and yeah. stay up for, yeah. I don't know if I'll ever change. It's working for you. Yeah, yeah, until it doesn't, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's something to do with lockdown that actually finally I've been able to, um, because I had a day job for way longer than I thought I was going to. I only stopped working my day job in like 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was only part time, but I still needed that to like support me. Um, because I worked, did that for so long. I, st- I, I am an early riser and I get up and I get on it. And it, it but it, yeah. Sometimes what time do you get up? About seven. Okay. Yeah. Quarter to seven. Um, and then, t- you know, I get up and I, and that that part of my day is really regimented and I have my breakfast, I take my dogs for a big old walk, I do some exercise and then I'm at my desk no later than 10 every day. Um, but I used to always try and be up before 10 because that was when I would have started my day job. So I had this like psychological thing where I was like, fuck, you've edited a film, you know, a short film and it's you wouldn't have, you would have still been on the bus. Yeah. You know? And I still get a kick out of that. Mm. Um yeah, but then, you know, sometimes, like, I'll give, you know, I'll work a weekend, but I'll have Wednesday off. And I'm like, Wednesday is my day. I just do whatever I want. And I work hard, 
but not always on the right stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm envious of people with a bit that can balance the... One thing I'm trying to do now, actually, is my work-life balance. Okay. I am trying to um, spend as much time being happy <laughs> as I am working. Um, How's it going? It's a work in progress. <laughs> it always is. Yeah. Always is. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I suppose like I now trying to, you know, I, I, and I'm sure it's a, you know, it's a product of lockdown that I now really miss my friends and I mm. want to see people and, you know, want to try and make this relationship work and be a, you know, be a nice person. And so, um, yeah. Vaguely answered your question. No, very much so. Very much so. Where can people find out about what you're up to and all your various projects? Well, I do try to keep my website up to date, rachelstubbins.com. Although I noticed I haven't put that I'm going to be the NFTS course leader. So I will update that. Mm-hmm. I'll actually probably shooting the breeze needs to go on there as an updated thing. But yeah, all, lots of my films are on there. I've got a Vimeo um, and an Instagram, little StubHub. Okay. And Twitter, Rachel Stubbings. Fab. All right. As, as with my... Um, creative stuff i'm spread thinly over social media as well. <laughs> aren't we all aren't we all i'm still on bebo are you i don't think i ever did bebo no, i'm not i don't even know does it exist no i feel like it might it, it felt like one of the innocent ones yeah. that my space yeah yeah vimeo still seems innocent oh very much so yeah big fan like of vimeo yeah um yeah i love vimeo and the staff pick can really kick things off for you, can't it? Massively. Yeah, it feels like the last one of those sorts of things. Like Short of the Week, I used to feel like that, but less so. They, they don't seem to like comedy that much, Short of the Week. Whereas staff picks can be anything. And yeah. it just, your view, you know, if you get staff pick, you can go from like 500 views to like 25,000 in a day. And they're all well-deserved, I find. Yeah, yeah. They've got yeah. very good taste. Yeah, you can see why that was picked for, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, Rachel. Well, uh, it's been absolutely lovely chatting with you. Uh, Thank you very much. I I wish your frozen shoulder better. Thank you. Did you you hear what I just said or did you choose not to? I didn't hear it. What did you say? (laughs) Oh, that was uh, very funny in the podcast. I said, uh, let's collaborate. (laughs) And And I completely ignored (laughs) you. And there we have it, Rachel Stubbings in the building via Zoom. Very much enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did too. Uh, I always like conversing with a fellow creative, but a fellow human being who is doing lots of different things because it makes me feel better about myself for doing lots of different things, running around like a headless chicken. Not that Rachel is, I'm just referring to myself in that instance. So as always, guys, if you like this episode, please do rate and review it on Apple. Give a little, just a little, you know, a little nice, nice little glowing review. It doesn't have to be about me. You, could, you know, it could just be about the guest. You can ignore me. Just ignore my input and just, you know, I, you can just focus on, on, on Rachel in this instance and give her the glowing review. That's fine. You know, that's the deal that I'm happy to make. Just, uh, yeah, just a review, nice review uh, would be, would be lovely. Be very lovely. Next week, we are switching things up. 
uh, slightly different type of guest. His name's Zuby. He's he, he's a rapper. He's been making a lot of waves and headlines uh, on social media. He's built up a massive follower, about 350,000 followers across. I think that's just on Twitter alone. He's got some very controversial opinions, but I'm interested in talking to a whole array of, of people and, and creatives uh, with different viewpoints. I think it's good to mix it up. So very much looking forward to that conversation. So thanks as always for listening. And until next time, see you later. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.